Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. I'll give this a little pause here because Bailey Johnson, it's it's a new season. Today is the 24th of February, 2023. It's Friday, tomorrow night. The crew opens somewhere in the suburbs of Philadelphia, Chester, to be uh, exact against a tremendous Philadelphia Union team. My pick to finally put it all together and, and win the MLS Cup. And uh, with a coach that the new crew coach is, is sometimes compared to, Jim Curtin, uh, for the Philadelphia Union. Wilfred Nancy, the new coach of the crew. We're going to talk about him and everything else. Bailey Johnson, as I mentioned, is here. She is our fine crew beat writer, fresh back from Florida, ready to get on a plane for, for Philadelphia. The pod father, Patrick Flaherty, at the controls per usual. I'm Mike Arace. Thanks for joining us in what isn't our inaugural edition of the Speakeasy this year, but it is the first of the new season, I guess you could say, in, in other terms, Bailey. And I think right away we should get into, after all this uh, intrigue about their shape and their system, it's been talked ad nauseum, but it, the li- the lineup hasn't been nailed down, uh, nor exactly the formation itself. Let's get right into that. Your projection about who starts, where, and what they're going to look like tomorrow when they open their season with a loss in Philadelphia. Let's get right into it. No, anything can happen, folks. I was just joshing. Anything can happen. But as we'll talk about when we get into the beginnings of this projected starting lineup, when you we look first at goalkeeper, it's not going to be Aloy Room. Aloy um, is back in Columbus now, but was away for a little over a week back in the Netherlands getting his That's green card. Right. I guess we should talk about that intrigue right away. It, we should, but it kind of ties right into the starting lineups. So it, right, hold it, it all together. Because he started every game last year. He, he started every game last year, was one of only five goalkeepers in MLS to do that, was one of the best among that group. And so it was very strange when... Uh, upon the event of media day the other day, uh, it was announced that he wouldn't be playing the first game of the year because of green card issues. And that kind of quickly devolved into, um, I don't know, uh, some misinformation out there about, well, there are speeding tickets, but the contraband thing. Well, why don't you tell us what, what exactly happened? Because you, you, you and some cops reporters had to do a lot of digging thanks to uh, the curious public relations um, uh, stance of the Columbus crew. Yeah. So starting with last Tuesday when I was in Florida and I'm standing there at training and I'm looking around and I see that Aloy room is not there. I say, Hey, where's Aloy? And I'm told he's back in the Netherlands dealing with visa issues. And I said, okay, sure. And then it comes a week later, the following Tuesday, like you said, media day, we're watching training. Aloy room still not there has now been about a week. And we get into the press conference and I'm talking to Wilfried Nancy and I say, Ailey Room's been away from the team for about a week now. Do you have any concerns about his availability for Saturday? And Wilfried says, he's not going to be available. We knew that this is something we've planned for. So then I tweet, Wilfried Nancy says that Ailey Room, who has been away from the team dealing with visa issues, is not going to be available on Saturday. Almost immediately, there's a reply to my tweet that says, could this have anything to do with the contraband that was seized from his car in September of 2022? And I'm like, what do you mean contraband seized from his car? Did he have a, a Scud missile in his trunk or something like that? Or Apparently. Are we talking about stolen radios from uh, 
from a hotel room in uh I don't know. I'm just Who throwing knows? out what is contraband here. Someone suggested maybe he's got a Cuban cigar habit. I mean, you never know. Um, so in the meantime, I'm told by the crew that it is his green card that he's working on and that it's not an issue. It's just the normal process he's going through. But now separately, we're chasing down this whole contraband situation. And I'm working with cops reporter Bethany Bruner, who was phenomenally helpful. We come to find out he did. Aloy did get two speeding tickets in the fall of last year one of which was dismissed. And in the process of going to court to get that dismissed, the judge or the bailiff or someone checked the wrong box on a form that said there had been contraband in the car when he was pulled over. So the entry on the docket said, judge orders the contraband from the car to be destroyed, which is where then people thought there was contraband in the car. But in fact, nothing in the ticket suggested that. We were told by both. He um, has a very fast car, though. He does have a very fast car. He drives uh, one of those Lamborghini SUVs. Oh, who would get a Lambo SUV? Well, so Cucho Hernandez got one, and then Aloy got one about a month oh, later. So that's another podcast altogether, but please continue. That it is. Um, so Bethany is speaking to Aloy, the woman who was Aloy's defense attorney on that speeding ticket. I'm talking to Crew PR. Everyone comes to the conclusion that there was a mistake made in the process of that first speeding ticket. There was no contraband. It's being corrected in the court record. I haven't looked to see if it was, but I presume that that has been dealt with. He also got a second speeding ticket in Delaware County. He paid the fine. Everything is fine. Speeding tickets entirely unrelated to green card. No green card issues. It is just a process that takes a little bit of time. And the teams have absolutely no control over when they're able to get appointments because it is a governmental process between two countries. It matters that he gets his green card before 8 p.m. tonight. Right. And that is the skinny here, isn't it? Yes. That's where we wrap it all back around to the soccer aspect, which is... They are trying to free up at least one, if not multiple there. I know there are a couple other players who are possibly getting theirs, but I don't know how that's working out. Um, trying to free up international roster spot because they are maxed out of their nine that they have right now. They traded for one from Sporting Kansas City earlier in preseason. Tonight at 8 p.m. is the roster compliance deadline. And I believe this is a relatively recent change in the rules. If a player gets their green card before the season, before that roster compliance date, they then no longer count as an international player for that season. But if, for example, Aloy was to get his green card in March, that would not count until next season. You can no longer swap a player out of an international spot in the middle of the season. It has to be done before the year begins. So it saves them an international spot, and it's it's sort of a soft indication that they are shopping now and will continue shopping, and, and, and we'll get into that in a minute. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... Uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. But first, we'll start, we'll go back to the lineup here. Um, do we know who's in goal for, for the black and the gold tomorrow? We don't know who's in goal. And I can make an argument that I think is equally strong either way, whether it's Evan Bush or whether it's Patrick Schulte. I think those are the options. Brady Scott would be a real wild card, but I guess you never know. There are technically three choices that they have. My money is on Evan Bush, and that's what will be in my projected starting lineup that runs in the morning that we'll go through here. Um, he's a veteran. He you know, has a lot of experience going into a team like Philadelphia that likes to attack, that plays a very intense, high-pressing style. I think that's a lot to ask of a young goalkeeper in Patrick Schulte who's never made an MLS start. But to make the counter-argument for Patrick Schulte, he won Goalkeeper of the Year last year in MLS Next Pro. He helped lead Crew 2 to MLS Cup or MLS Next Pro Cup. And 
crew two goalie coach Phil Berger has been coach. promoted to be the first team goalkeeper right. and, coach. And he has a, a different philosophy altogether on how to play goal than, than what we've seen in the last few years. Absolutely. It's, more, it's, it's a lot more aggressive. A lot it? more aggressive. I've even been told there were times last year where Phil was continuing to tell Patrick, get higher up the field, higher up the field, higher up the right. field. And Patrick was like, this is high enough. I'm so not that, going any further. That'll be interesting. And that'll be another show down the road at some point, or at least a segment of one. So, Okay. We don't know who's in goal. It's probably Bush. All right, let's get into the lineup, Bailey. Yes. What, what are they going to look like? I am calling it three four two one, which is kind of what we've danced around on this show for the last several weeks. They have, you know, said all along, maybe it's three center backs. Maybe it's two center backs. We don't know. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's five. Yeah. Maybe it's four. It's going to be three center backs. That's never really been a question. Right, I understand right. why they were trying to be cagey about it, but it's going to be three. Um, my money, my three will be Philip Quinton on the left side, Milos Jagonek in the middle, and Steven Marrera on the right. So this is your projection this based is, on maybe what some things you saw in Florida. and Based inferred. on some things I saw in Florida, some things that I've heard. Um, there are other options at center back are Josh Williams, who was fully healthy for the last week in Florida and got minutes in both their scrimmage against Houston and their final one where they played um, Hartford, so th- the Mike A. Race showdown. That's right. Um, but he didn't, He was, I don't think, started in either game, and I would not expect, I don't think they see him as a starter on this team. That's um, a nice park they have in Hartford, by the way. I mean, I know folks here saw the East Hartford football stadium, but the Hartford Park where the, the, the uh, USL team plays, um, I, I've, I've been by it. It's it's actually where my high school team played its football games. It's the old municipal stadium that's been completely renovated. So if you're if you're dropping in for a Hartford Yard Goats game and, and can catch a soccer game as well, uh, you know, I encourage it. But then uh, I'm getting off topic here. So in back, say it once again, Bailey, who's in back left Phil, to right? Philip Quinton, Milos Steganek, Steven Marrera. So Milos is the one that's not a question mark. You know he's going to play every game for this team when he's healthy. Uh, Phil Quinton on the left side is coming up from crew two. He came in to the beginning of preseason wanting to earn a first team contract. Crew two didn't pick up his contract option at the end of last year because he told them that he wanted to go for a first team contract and not be re-signed to the second team. He successfully did that in preseason and, you know, it's preseason. Everybody's saying nice things about everybody, but it has been notable to me that when we ask other players like Milos, like Darlington Nagby, like Lucas Zellerayon about the young players in general who have stood out to them in preseason, Phil is always one of the first names that comes up. So he is someone that they have been impressed with. Obviously, it it will be a big first start for him starting against Philadelphia in this game. Um, They like him. He's 6'6", super athletic, I think can stand up well to that intense high-pressing style that Philadelphia plays because he's quite athletic and quite fit and will be able to handle that. All right. Well, young player makes impression on new coach. It'll be a theme we carry forward, I'm sure. Uh, It's been a theme of of the preseason. Okay, now we go with the four. I guess first with the wingbacks. First with the wingbacks, I have it as Will Sands on the left and Mo Farsi on the right. Um, Farsi for me was a debate between him and Luis Diaz, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Luis Diaz come on around the 70th minute, call it if they're down a goal or two. Um, but for for me against Philadelphia, because they are such an at- attacking team, scored so many goals last year, Mo Farsi brings a more defensive thought to that wingback role. He played as a right center back last year. He played as a right wing back last year. He played as a fullback last year. He is a defender coming into the wingback role as opposed to Luis Diaz, who would be a winger coming in to play wingback. So I think they like him for that defensive 
mind. And he also has shown well combining with Steven Moreira up the right side as an attacking option. Um, Will Sands on the left is kind of a similar thing. He was a winger in college, played left back last year behind Pedro Santos, yep. showed well in the games that he started he when it was out. He's an interesting player when he came on. He's an interesting player. He's His personality on the field is entirely different to his personality off the field. On the field, he's relentless, incredibly aggressive. Off the field, he's the kind of person who read Crime and Punishment and Moby Dick during this preseason for fun. Oh, wow. It's, uh, you put them together. Um and and now, okay, who's central midfield now? Central midfield, this is basically the one place on this team, one of a couple places on this team, there are no question marks. Starlington Nagby and Aiden Morris will play this game and probably every other game this year when they're both healthy. That's going to be the pairing. That's going to be what it is. Um, I know they want Darlington to try to explore the idea of Darlington pushing higher up the field. They've also said they want Aiden to do that, and Aiden has said he wants to do that, so that give and take between the two of them as far as who's pushing higher up the field on any given moment, any given sequence will be interesting to watch. Darlington obviously is sort of the tempo setter for this team and has been their anchor in the central midfield and will continue to be. Um, and for Aiden, this is, it's kind of funny that it's only now really his first true starting season. Cause last year he shared time with our tour. Obviously he burst onto the scene in MLS cup 2020 and then tore his ACL Last year, like I said, sharing time with our tour, they trade our tour in November, and that is his role to take right there in the central midfield. Yeah, this is the year when um, he makes himself into an international prospect. I think. Yes, uh, I was, which has kind of been his trajectory before it was. It has been, and I sat down with him in Florida for a feature that will come out next week, heading into the home opener. But I can say that a quote in that story will be. Of course, I'd love to be playing in Europe, which is not a surprise, but it was nice to hear him say that out loud and kind of establish that goal firmly. Yeah, why, why mess around? Okay, we have the three and the four and the two. Now the two, I guess. Uh, now we the have two. the three and the four, now the two. We have three and four, now so, the two. So these would be attacking mids. These um, are your attacking mids. So obviously one is Lucas Zellerayon, one of the other non-question marks on this team. The other one, I think, will be Kevin Molino. They have used him quite a bit in the preseason. It's kind of a choice there between Molino and Alex Matan. Um, and I think Matan will see time. I think they're trying to figure out what they have in him, and that will be something we it's can get into. It's a big year for him because, you know, after all this time, he was kind of a big signing, and they haven't figured out what they have in him. He hasn't figured out what he has in himself. Uh, uh, very curious to see what a different hand on his shoulder from a coach uh, will, will yield from this guy who is considered a pretty hot prospect. Exactly. So that's going to be really interesting to follow throughout the season beyond the fact that he hasn't played for the crew in quite some time after he was loaned um, to Romania midway through last year. He's also pretty slight physically. And Philadelphia is a team that to quote um, one of the coaches or MLS executives. He is blocky, kind of fire hydrant. -y. Not even really. He's pretty he's he's maybe five, seven and pretty slim. Um, that's that's me. <laughs> except exactly, for the slim part. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he is Philadelphia is a team that is in your face and physical and is going to kick you and push and pull at you and, you know, all those things. So Kevin Molino bringing a veteran presence there. I we haven't talked about him a lot with Wilfried, but he did say earlier in preseason that he's really intrigued by what he has in him. Always intriguing because the guy uh, has produced a. It's the question with him has always been, how long can he stay healthy? Exactly. So it's really going to be really interesting to see what a fully healthy offseason looks like for him. Because last year he was coming off of that ACL injury and yet didn't another, get healthy yeah. until the yet another ACL injury and didn't get healthy until the middle of the year. So he's had an offseason. He's had a full preseason with the team. That guy's good when he's right. 
I mean, he's getting up there in years, but yeah, it's also an interesting role for him because he's played mostly on the wing in his career. Um, and obviously this system has wing backs and not traditional wingers. So that kind of slots him in at that other attacking midfielder role. But I would guess that he'll be one who's pulling out wide with Lucas and Cucho more in the middle of the field, which goes right into who will be the striker, which is Kyle. Cool. Quite obviously, Cucho Hernandez. Oh, it's, it's not. Uh, Kyle's not here, by the way. Uh, uh, he was called away on assignment. So, uh, uh, but we would like to mention the striker. He's not training with the team. He's actually on assignment for the dispatch. So, Cucho will be the striker. Cucho will be the striker. I don't think that's anybody. It's a shocking development. It's a very shocking development. I think, you know, that's a real hot take from me is that Cucho is going to be the striker. I love the line. Um, you asked Lucas Celarion what his, what his goal for the season is, and he said, I want Cucho to win the golden boot is what he said. <laughs> and that's the fun of this. Um, I mean, there's the great breath of fresh air with the, with the new coach who just has an aura about him. Um, and it's going to be fun to watch him on the sidelines uh, more than twice a year. Uh, Cause he is, uh, he, he works it. He's into, he's just a really interesting guy. Uh, uh, he's a, Obviously, a, a good coach, uh, considering the turnaround that he manufactured in, in Montreal. And uh, again, there's that aura about him, about uh, his players love him and they love each other. At least that's that's been his, his short track record. And it speaks to his own philosophy on life and the game. And for all that, uh, you should look up uh, Bailey's wonderful profile, Wilfred Nancy, that, that is in uh, today's editions and, and online. So... Um, uh, I highly encourage it. He's a really fascinating guy. And circling back to where I started before, uh, I forget where I started with with this with this uh, thought. Um, that's where the fun of this formation is is up top because those parts are moving around. I mean, this is this is a a very fluid uh, type of uh, system. Um, there's there's a lot of moving parts, but up front, it's it's uh, there's going to be reliance on artistry rather than plumbing. There's going to be a, a, a these three up top could have a lot of fun and it could be one up top at any given time or two. Um, it's, it's going, it's a, it's a Rubik's cube of, 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 a, of the point of attack. And, and uh, uh, you know, when I look at Molino and Zilla Ryan and Cucho Hernandez, uh, that could be very interesting indeed. It could be. This is a team that wants to play pretty soccer. They want to play attacking soccer. They want to score goals. They want to be on the front foot which, you know, for Cucho Hernandez is music to his ears. He has a number in mind of the number of goals he wants to score this year. He has not told anybody. I even asked Lucas Zellerayon, not if he would share the number, because I knew Cucho didn't want it out there, but if even he knew if Cucho had told Lucas what the number was and Lucas doesn't know what it is. I want to so. watch his assist totals, too. I'm I interested in that because, as well. Because, again, there's a lot of freedom up top. And, a lot of freedom. The, and, he, and he can make plays. He can. And the kind of the motto of this team, which has become somewhat of a cliche is they're going to be tactically flexible. It was what they were looking for among other things. When they were hiring Wilfried, there was a perception and a belief that Caleb Porter's team was too stuck in its ways. There was not an ability or a desire to flex tactically to create different things on the field. Oh, we haven't mentioned Caleb Porter yet. Have we? We haven't. So I thought it was time to bring him up. Yeah. I I mean, this isn't going to be systemically, this is going to be a radical departure. And, uh, you know, I, for one, I'm looking forward to it. We can uh, wonder about whether they're undermanned or have holes in their roster at this point. Um, and I guess uh, uh, we're going to talk about that in, in a couple seconds here. But, um, you know, uh, this this is going to be a, a big departure. And I think just that alone with the start of a new season uh, uh, is 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 
wiping this slate is is very refreshing. You know, it's like uh, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to see what this looks like. Me too. It's definitely very refreshing. The players feel refreshed. Even someone like Christian Ramirez, who came in in the middle of this preseason and didn't experience the old regime, told me that he can tell this team feels fresh. He can tell they feel rejuvenated. You know, they've said Wilfrey doesn't have a lot of rules for them because he has put his trust in them and it's up to them to live up to that. He wants his teams to take a lot of ownership in both how they play on the field and the way they operate off the field. The leadership thing is going to be interesting with after they've traded their captain and Jonathan Mensah. I believe they're going to have three captains who kind of rotate through sharing the armband, but they're trying to develop the whole locker room into being leaders on the pitch. They have a lot of freedom. They have a lot of flexibility. I wrote at the beginning of this week about maybe it was even beginning of last week. All of the weeks have run together here for me. They were scared. They were scared. They by were the scared. End of, by the end of Porter's tenure, they were scared to do anything. They were. That's what Wilfried said. He said he came in and they had their shoulders up by their ears and their arms tight by their sides. And they were tense and they were anxious and they were stressed. And in six weeks, he has started to fix that. He has started to introduce a more joyful, more relaxed style. I talked to Sean Zawadzki about it and he said Wilfried wants them to make mistakes, especially the young players, because he wants them to grow. He wants them to develop. And you can't do that when you're playing scared and are afraid to do anything unless you make a mistake. It's like Dean Wormer is gone, you know, and they can just have a toga party here. That's a bad uh, reference. But, uh, yeah, good. That that was an interesting story you, you did as well uh, uh, about the clench that the team – and you could see it on the field. Uh, you know, I think – there's going to be some some. Uh, there's a learning curve here. Um, there, there's going to be this thing isn't going to hum from the start for sure. They don't even have the team on the field now that 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 they're going to have maybe by the end of April. Um, and so, but but you know that said, uh, part of the learning process is going to be instead of losing one to nothing, uh, maybe they're losing those games five to three, you know? They might, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm all for that. There's going to be a lot of goals both ways. Like you said, it's going to be a learning curve. It took his teams in Montreal, especially in his first season, but even a little bit last year to get their yeah. momentum going and get they were, they were a out. second half, but of the they're team. unbelievable in the second half of the year. Um, like you said, at least one addition coming before the end of April. I know they are really looking for um, a left-footed center back. They had someone that they were quite keen on, to quote Tim Bezvachenko directly, and were quite close in the negotiations with, um, but that has been disrupted by the earthquake in Turkey. Um, and now they're pretty sure they're not going to be able to get that player here. I'm not sure who it was. So they're continuing to look elsewhere. That would be the one signing I would really expect to happen by the end of April and possibly one more. And then a couple in the summer, most likely kind of reshaping what this team looks like. But they also, as we've talked about a lot, want to give opportunities to the players that they currently have on the roster. That's the reason the offseason was quiet. It's the reason they haven't made a lot of big moves. They want to figure out what they have in the players that they have before they go out elsewhere looking for other things. And that is the big picture plan here is is to beef up the academy system and, and use that as, as, a, uh, as a way to refresh the roster. Um, you know, a la Philadelphia is often mentioned, but it's it's done in any number of places here and everywhere. Uh, and so, yeah, and and one of the reasons Wilfred Nancy is here is because uh, his his eye fits that that uh, systems wide sort of uh, development process, um, and he's quite good at developing young talent. He's gonna he's gonna be uh, throwing a lot of young people out there. 
uh, sink or swim. He will be. And he, he, when I talked to him for the profile that we mentioned that I would highly encourage you to go read. I'm yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So we sat down in Florida at the beginning of last week for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes and talked about his life and his journey and his philosophies. And what I really came away with was this deep understanding of both who he is as a person and what that means for how he views soccer. He told me that he was not a very fast player. He was a center back. He was kind of a journeyman bouncing around the lower divisions in France. And he found that he really needed his teammates around him to help progress the ball up the field and do what they wanted to do on the pitch. He wasn't a player who could just take the ball himself and dribble up the field and score by himself. He needed everyone else around him. And that's both how his teams play with, as we've talked about, the passing and the possession of the ball and the patterns they're creating on their way up the field and the way he lives his life. We talked about his family and his wife, who is, he said, his balance and the person who helps him stay fresh. So when he comes back into the soccer space, he is ready to go and has a clear mind. He also believes heavily in trusting his coaching staff because that is people that he needs to work with him to do what he wants to do on the field. It's also why he gives so much ownership to his players because he wants everything to operate kind of independently towards a whole, if that makes sense. Um, one of the things we talked a lot about was just the way that he has kind of methodically built these philosophies over the course of the last 20 years. And he told me that um, he knows it's working when he gets goosebumps, which has happened a couple of times so far this season. And he wants to have emotion when he sees his teams produce what he wants. And that has been happening. This is a new era. You know, I don't know how bumpy it's going to be at first. I, I know you're predicting uh, that they'll win the Supporter Shield this year. I am pulling the Jacob Myers April Supporter Shield, exactly. You're not? I'm not. No, no, I have them sixth in the East. Okay. So I think, I mean, I think they'll make the playoffs, especially now that it's nine teams. But I think it'll be a, a, slow, a slower start. And then by the second half of the year, they'll really be in gear. And I think somewhere, yeah, sixth-ish feels about right. Okay. So tomorrow, when we get our first glimpse... Um, and it, it still is funny to me, and, and this is in a lot of sports, how uh, the cloak and dagger, no, you, sh- you can't know that one. Like, you know, you can probably guess it all. It's, I don't know. There's too much intrigue, you know. Uh, um, anyway, tomorrow when they open in, in, in Philadelphia, what what does this system, what is it going to look like optimally? Yeah, as we've talked about, it's going to be, you know... A well, lot. the philosophy, basic philosophy, philosophy is, is, to, is to press high to pr- and keep yeah. the opponent put uh, um, hemmed into their own end. Exactly. It's a high-press, high-intensity system that they want to play with. Wilfried has described it as a combination between a chess match and a boxing match where they're trying to induce the opponent into doing what they want them to do, manipulate them like you will in chess with the intensity of a boxing match and that high-press, um, counter-pressing when they lose the ball, trying to stay high on the field when they're not able to do that. And they do have to come back into a defensive shape that three, four, two, one will probably be more like a four, three, three, or maybe even five in the back with the wing backs dropping back to provide more defensive cover. And even then it's, it's a, it's a search for a counterattack. Exactly. Even when they push five back. Exactly. They're always looking to get the ball back as quickly as possible. If they're not able to do it quickly in their counter press, they will drop back for a moment because even the fittest teams in the world can't press or counter press for 90 minutes straight. But it is always, the intention will never be to sit back for the whole game and just see what happens. They're always, if they are having to sit back for a moment, it will be to then try to start a counter attack. But I, their ideal plan is to have the have the ball high on the pitch as much as possible, have as much of the ball as possible, 
um, and just try to manipulate the opponent. Uh, Sean Zawadzki has talked to me a lot about like the diamonds that Wilfried wants them to create every time he someone has the ball. He wants there to be a diamond of passing options that they have and creating those on their way up the field. Um, hopefully, they hope a lot of really lovely passing sequences that become those highlights that we all see on Twitter and other social medias that are just really beautiful examples of soccer played at the highest level. And, and of course, it is the, the opener is big, but, uh, you know, here, Christmas week is, is big and, and Christmas Eve, and uh, that would be the occasion of the home opener, which is a week from Saturday on, on the 4th of March with DC United in town. And, yeah, uh, a, a total different, a total opposite from what they're facing in Philadelphia as far as team quality. They're starting off with about as tough as it can get with the team that you think will win MLS Cup and I do as well. And I've also, I think they're going to win the Supporters' Shield, Philadelphia, not the crew, to be very clear and specific. Um, and then DC comes and that's probably a team that's in contention for the wooden spoon. They have done some different things this offseason. Wayne Rooney's their coach, which is always interesting. Um, but yeah, that's a team, that's a game as the home opener that will present a much different kind of challenge than Philadelphia does. Oh, it'd be fun. What bar are you going to go to on, on Friday night? Next Friday night? I don't have plans. Oh, you got to go to one of the parties. There's, there's a lot of parties. There's parties? All right. Yeah. Well, I, can, I can go to a party. All that. right, Bill, you'll be out there. Um, I may or may not because I don't like to reveal, you know, what my formation is at any given time or, or who needs a green card. And that's all we have, Bailey, unless you have something else you want to plug or add before we, we get out of here. No, just, you know, read everything on dispatch.com. Subscribe. Um, I yes, think a lot of good stuff. On more there, of our st- more of our stuff this year is going to be for subscribers only. So if you want to read it, you have to subscribe and we would really like it if you would do that. All right. Better you say that than I. No one listens to me. I'll make the uh, For Patrick Flaherty, the pod father. Patrick, thanks for having us back in your studio. And Bailey Johnson, I'm Mike Ares. Kyle will be back next week, we assume. Thanks for joining us and Christmas week coming up. So uh, join us again next week. Uh, Patrick, kick us out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.